Well, good afternoon again to everyone. God bless you. I've been uh, so much enjoying that song, Faithful Men, calling uh, upon my own heart to be one of those. It's a great desire and a purpose of my heart to be one of those faithful men. I had not heard that song before we came here and told my wife, you need to take it home. We want to teach our children that song as well back in PA. Thank you for singing that song with such fervency. Before I go any further, I'd like to just take a moment and thank everyone, the staff and the uh, elders and whoever here is responsible for the Bible school. Thank you for the invitation. I um, don't feel worthy to be here. It's been such a, such a haven, such, a, such an encouragement, such a, such a heavenly place to be for a week. So thank you for that. And thank you, students, for your attention that you have given to the, uh, to the teaching of God's Word. My, what a blessing to, uh, to just uh, stand before you and have the opportunity to share things. And I haven't noticed anybody scoffing at me. My, in Paul's day, they went through the village and there were scoffers and mockers and but here I get smiling faces, and boy, you just encouraged me to keep on going, so God bless you. <clears throat> Thank you, Brother Lowell, for, for taking us to uh, holy ground this morning. Thank you, Brother. It's a blessing to my own heart. The uh, subject for today that was given to me, the assignment that was given to me was to uh, speak on serving and giving. And uh, there's a number of things that we want to talk about today. And if I overemphasize foreign missions, please forgive me. That's not my heart. I am very much of the mindset that a missionary is a missionary wherever she or he is. So God bless you. Many of you may be called to raise future missionaries. And that's an honor as well. And uh, be blessed in whatever calling that God has for you. Serving and giving, we want to talk about here this afternoon. Before we go there, I had mentioned that I wasn't finished with the uh, subject on fasting from Tuesday. And while we do that, I thought we would just do a bit of a review on, on, on each uh, session that I had this week, just real quickly, um, we'll take a rundown uh, through each day. If we remember Monday, we had the reading and meditating assignment. One verse that I want to leave you with to take along home, Paul, as he instructed Timothy, was, give attendance until I come, give attendance to reading. Now, I realize that that was Paul uh, giving that instruction to Timothy, but I want us all to take that home with us as the Lord Jesus giving that instruction to us that until I come again, give attendance to reading. And so God bless you as you pick your Bibles up day by day and, and pour your life into reading and then, of course, meditating on what you have read. Tuesday, we had fasting and praying, and for this one, I'd like you to get your pen and papers out 
I just want to give you seven purposes, seven reasons for fasting that I had on a list that I didn't get time to give to you on Tuesday. And um, there's probably more, but this is what I had uh, just came to my mind as I was preparing to share with y'all. Number one, fasting for personal sanctification. There's always a work that God wants to continue to do in each one of our lives. Number two, fasting. I don't want to go too fast here. I don't know how, far, how fast you can write, but number two, fasting for a particular burden that an individual may be carrying. Number three, fasting for another individual. Number four, for direction in life for the future. Number five, fasting when you see a need for spiritual revival. And number six, and this is a very, very important one, and we talked about this quite a bit on Tuesday. Remember this as you get home. If for no other reason to train your flesh to be in subjection. Even as Paul said, he keeps always his body under subjection. You can, on purpose, train your body, train your flesh to be in subjection. You will do yourself a big favor in that time of temptation when the day of evil comes upon you, if, you're, if your body has been trained to be in subjection. <clears throat> Number seven I have, and this, uh, I was amazed as I read the Martyr's Mirror this, this winter, this um, since January 1st, I've been reading so much in the Martyr's Mirror, and I was amazed at how many times the, 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 the applicants came for baptism and they were instructed to spend some time in fasting before baptism. So I took that, and, and we normally do that in our congregation many times, uh, encourage those that want to be baptized, spend some time in fasting for baptism, before baptism, but also before communion. Fasting before baptism and before communion. And um, I want to give you a verse here. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, I think it is, verse 5, has this for us. Examine yourselves. I may have that reference wrong. I'm not sure, but it's in 2nd. Whoa. Okay, anyway, it's a Corinthians verse. Don't hold me to the, to the reference there. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Okay, so before communion, before baptism, it's a good, a good heart will examine its own heart. You know, we have our parents, we have ministers, we have... But the best thing you can do for yourself is examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Taking a personal responsibility for the state of your own soul. There's a few other verses in the Bible that support this thought. Galatians chapter 6 verse 5 says that every man shall bear his own burden. Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 exhorts us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. So, God bless you as you do that. Wednesday we had singing and praising. Moving on now. Wednesday we had singing and praising, and we, we talked about singing and praising as a means to evangelize. And you certainly did that. I was watching you all yesterday. What a beautiful thing. I agree with the rest of the uh, uh, brothers that have been sharing on that. What a beautiful thing to see the world at your feet and the songs of Zion being lifted up there on the hill. Singing and praising as a means of evangelism. Remember the cobbler story. What will you give in exchange for your song? 
And then Thursday we had discipleship. And we reminded each other that the local church is the discipleship program. And if anybody is here, and I think there may be, uh, if you don't have a local church, I would strongly encourage you to find one. And then give yourself wholeheartedly to it. Remembering the one another in scriptures that we talked about and practicing mixing them in a bowl and walking that out. Regardless of your neighbor that is sitting beside you in the pew, whether he's wa- he or she's walking it out or not, you can walk that out, the one another in scriptures. So God bless you as you, as you take that. So, okay, today is Friday, the last day, and uh, I'm excited about our subject. I'm uh, blessed to be able to share with you all. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 21 to begin. Maybe some of you were already there. We have, this, um, we have this thought on the board. It's been there for the day. Pierce my ear, O Lord my God. Take me to your door this day. <clears throat> I want to read the first I think, six verses of Exodus chapter 21. And just to uh, share with us a little bit what is the, uh, the context here, Moses has been on Mount Sinai where he has heard from God. God has spoken to Moses out of heaven. He has, um, he has given Moses uh, a number of instructions. And here he is simply continuing on with those instructions that he has given, given, given to the children of Israel through Moses. And he is simply uh, speaking to them in how they are to work with the servants that are in their household. And this is what the uh, mandate was from God in heaven. Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. If thou buy an Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve. And in the seventh year he shall go out free for nothing. So you can keep your servant only six years then he shall, be set, he shall be set free to go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master have given him a wife, and she have borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. And that is our scripture for for this morning, especially at the beginning here of the sermon. We see this principle that God has given to the, uh, to the children of Israel. This servant in Exodus 21 has now served for six years with his master, and he is told one day that he can go free. He is now free after hard labor for six years. He is now free to do whatever he wants to do. Now, I ask you young people, If you could do whatever you want to do, what would you do? What would you do if you could do 
whatever you want to do. If there were no ministers to tell you what to do, if there were no parents to tell you what to do, what would you do if you could do whatever you want to do? That's a good question. This is the position of this servant. At this time, his six years are up. He's free to go. He had a decision to make. A provision had been given him that if he loves his master and if he loves his wife that was given him by his master and if he loves his children, he can choose to stay. If he made that choice, he was taken down this path. His ear was, his earlobe was stretched out over the, out over the doorpost. You know, I can imagine maybe there was a few, a few of the master's helpers would pull on his earlobe, and and the awl was taken down on the lower lobe of his ear, and with one mighty whack, the deed was done. Perhaps the awl stuck in the, stuck in the doorpost there and the ear was fastened to the doorpost and so you had to, you know, kind of yank that thing back out again. And Do you think that servant ever forgot that experience? <laughs> he most certainly did not. Neither did the rest of the people in the camp, the rest of the Israelites, his friends, neither did they forget. And as they watched this bond servant now walking through the village with a hole in his ear, some would laugh. Look at him. Look at him. He'll never be free. He'll be a bondservant forever. He's, he's never going to be free like we are. Some would look at his hole in the ear and they would laugh at how ugly that looked, not at all becoming to their nice features that they had and their and everything. It just marred his appearance. And they would laugh at the way the hole in his ear just made him look not very nice. There was one nice thing about this experience for the bond servant. He had some fellowship. There was some other bond servants that had gone to the doorpost as well. And sometimes in the evening they would gather around the fire together. They would fellowship together. There was an in interesting thing about this bond servant that perhaps some of us will find hard to believe. And the rest of the bond servants that sat around the fire and they fellowshiped together, there was something very interesting about them. They were happy. They were content. They were blessed. They sang songs together. They rejoiced together. They loved their master together. They loved their master 
together. Brother Galen's not in here, but we need to make practical application next, right? Isn't that what he's been teaching us? We need to make practical application. Application for us. The Lord Jesus is the master. You, my dear young people, and every one of us, is the servant. The wife is the church. And the children are all the people that God has created on the face of this earth. The six years are up. Dear young people, you've labored, you've worked, it was hard, you've sweated, it's difficult. Now you're free. You're free to do whatever you want to do. It's your decision. You have a choice to make. Yonder, on that side, is a footpath going up over the mountain, up over the ridge, down over the other side, into the valley, and the whole world is awaiting you. It's right there for you. On this side, is a path to the doorpost. Who will be first? Who will be first? Who will be first? God bless you. Thank you. Oh, forgot my servant. God bless you. Thank you. That hurt. That hurt, brothers. Sisters, that hurt. The road to a bondservant, as a bondservant of Jesus Christ, the road is supposed to hurt. There's giving up. There's putting behind. There's pressing forward. And all those things. 
There's a disease in Mennonitism that I'm very well aware of. I became aware of this disease a long time ago. I, I kind of doubt if it's made its way out here to Washington, but I don't know. You seem so untainted here. You seem so, uh, you're so untainted here. I'm troubled about this disease. Yet I don't know what to do about this disease. But it's troubling to me. This disease is called a time of service. It can be for six months, maybe. It can be for a year. It can be for two years. Many that have this disease, they will, they will be in service, they say, for a year, and then they'll come home and do whatever they want. Brethren, it's a disease. God is asking, calling for bond servants. Bond servants that will serve him for ever. Are you one of them? I see some heads nodding. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's exciting. If that disease does not reach your heart, that is exciting. Hallelujah. If we can keep ourselves free from that disease, that we are bond servants of a certainty. And, and someone asks us, how long will you be in service? And you can say, simply say, you don't know. As long as there is life in this physical body, I'm in service. Now that may look different one year from the next. Five years from now, it may look different than it did yesterday. But you're still in service. Because you're a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. Stay free from that disease, please. Please stay free from that disease. And this, my brothers, my sisters, my dear young people, this is the cure for that disease. Just as it was for those servants to their masters in Exodus chapter 21. Be willing to go to that doorpost. Be willing to allow it to hurt. It hurts. Oh, it hurts. When I think of the excruciating times that people go through in the road to this door. Oh. But it is a good road. It's a good road. Hallelujah. It is a good road. <laughs> oh, 
Brothers, I wouldn't be here if that all wouldn't have gone through my ears some years ago. I would have too many things to do. Oh, 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 oh. you can imagine all the things I'd have to do. I would would be very, very, I would be way too busy to be here, Brother Pete. I mean, there's multitudes of things out there that I would have to do. It's a good road. What I have experienced this week, it surpasses anything in the world that I have experienced for the last year. I tell you that of a truth. God bless you for allowing me to experience it. I'm so blessed. I would like to just, uh, just as a means of, uh, I'm, I, I'm not wanting to necessarily lift anybody up, but uh, I just want to talk about a few people. I know that at times we, uh, and I know that um, Saturday, um, or when we had introductions, boy, I forget, Monday, was it Monday morning? When you all gave introductions and you, uh, you know, you were, called upon to give some testimonies of some biographies that you read, and that was all very nice. It was all very good to hear that. But the people that I'm going to talk about today are still alive. They're still still serving God. Um, The first one I'm going to talk about, I know of a certainty that she's a bondservant. And um, I don't know where I want to start because there's so much to say about this woman. Right now, she's in the hospital with cancer, and Elaine and I, are, we may not see her alive. We're not sure. I went to visit her in the hospital a, um, a number of weeks ago. Ron Elaine was in Florida. Just was a blessing to see her one more time. I wanted to pray for her before I left, and, and she, uh, she reached for a napkin and put it on her head so she'd be covered for the prayer. But her, um, her bladder was just taken out because it was riddled with cancer. And we thought she may recover, but we're not sure. This woman has no children, yet she has many. She has many children. She has many, many, many children. She's been teaching first grade in a private school there, in the private Christian school there in the area. Her first graders from when she started teaching are now getting married in our congregation. Her godly influence has infected, affected so many, many, many people for the Lord. She's not been out of the country except for maybe once or twice. She's made trips to Belize. And when she goes, she pleads with me for what? To pray for her nieces and nephews that live there. She feels like they're straying away from God. Sunday morning church service, after the, after the congregation, it reminds you of Jesus. The children are all lining up. You know, it's like all the way back and around. All the little children are lining up in front of her for their piece of candy. Sometimes I even stand in line and get a piece. (laughs) 
She's the kind of woman that, after I'm done preaching a sermon, I can go to this woman and I can ask her for an evaluation of my sermon, of the sermon, the Lord's sermon. And she will give me an honest answer. And I like that. That's Miss Allen. Okay, let's move on. I want to talk to you a little bit about East Africa, Tanzania. Excuse me a minute. Uh, boy. <laughs> so in uh, 2014, uh, our son was in East Africa, Tanzania. It was a blessing that he could go, and uh, he went as a young man. He was, I think, 19 or so, and um, so... <laughs> What happened then, there was like five other young people that were serving there in the, in the, uh, in the village. And, um, and, um, and so the missionary that was overseeing this work in the compound, his wife got very ill and she couldn't stay. They needed to come home. And uh, so there was five young people there. It seemed like it would be good if there'd be some, you know, a married couple there. The need was there, so we went. Elaine and I went. We took our whole family, actually. It was, we, we were there for two months. It was an experience that we had. It was a blessing. It was a lot of, we just enjoyed it a lot. And, but we got to experience a heathen African village. A village where the children are running through the dirt Pets, fatherless, motherless, AIDS, having taken the life of many of them. A village where if they would have a mother or a father, the doors to their little cottages would be locked during the day while they were, the parents were working out in the field and the children couldn't even get in their own house neglected. A village where there was Pombe being cooked over here and over here and, and over there and these big round bulls about this big was they had this this stuff that they would just mix I mean not, it was they were cooking their own pombe their own uh, liquor if you will a village where they would take that liquor and they would sit down in the in the hut and and men would gather around and just simply get drunk every night a village where their wives and many of them had three, four, two, maybe a few only had one. Many of them, the wealthiest man there had seven. A village where, where it was expected, it was okay for the wife to take a club and take it over his wife's head if she didn't do what he said or if, she, if he was drunk and just decided to do that. That's the kind of village we lived in. I want to introduce you to a young lady. I'm not sure how old she is. I would guess her to be about 25 years old now. 2014, she would have been in her early 20s. She may be 26 or 27 now.
sitting in the uh, sitting in the dirt. Okay. Okay, the dirt around the village. Okay, wherever she would find a place to sit. That was her classroom. Her students were these ladies that would come and sit in the dirt in front of her. Some would come, some wouldn't. Some would drop in, walk away. Babies would be crying. Pigs would be running by with all their noise and some goats. And every once in a while, some would come by with their ox, or ox cart or a plow dragging along behind. A lot of noise, pombe brewing over there and over there and over here. Just, just lots of things going on. There sat this 25-year-old Christian girl with a lesson in her hand to teach and a ready mind, and a willing heart, and an ear that had been to the doorpost. I'm so blessed. I know for a certainty that if there would have been no converts, and there wasn't for a number of years, she would still be there. But the Lord granted her some fruit. And there's a church growing in that little village. There's a native pastor there that is doing well. His wife is not converted at this point unless, yeah, maybe she is at this point. And if, it, if, if she is, it just recently happened. There's about four or so young men that have come to Christ. We would sit in our prayer circle in in the house and, you know, our singing time. And many times those times were broken up by yelling and screaming going on in a neighboring cottage. And my son and Warren would just head out the door just to save some woman from destruction by her husband. They would break up many a fight in the middle of the night as we, or in the evening as we were having our devotions time. And I tell you this, let it grip your hearts. There came a time while we were there where this lady was drug out of the cornfield where she had been thrown by her husband after he beat her up. Somebody spied her the next morning and helped her out, took her to the village clinic, but she died in the clinic as a result of the beating. And the next day, I walked down to Kilabuni, which is the village square there, and, and there's some, there's some Sichella men nailing together a wooden coffin out of some rough boards. But over there in the backyard of another, of, in another area, gathering place, there's the um, magistrate of the village. Just in his Swahili language, just Blasting, just blasting, just blasting, just blasting the people. There's a big crowd of people around. So after it's all over, I asked my son, Zach, I've been there, and so what, what, what was that all about? And he said, well, they just changed the laws here in Ivuna. You can now hit your wife only twice with a club then you must stop lest you kill her. And that's Ivuna, East Africa. 
in need of Jesus. Many other places. That's just one place. That's just one place in this world. The bond servant said, I will love my master. I will love my wife. And I will love my children. Put that all through the lobe of my ear. I was going to introduce you to another little girl. Her name is Becky. She's my, uh, she's my youngest, and she's one sweet little girl. I have a picture of her on my laptop. It's on my uh, desktop, so I look at it every time I open it. I've never seen her with such a happy face. I've never seen her with such a bright eyes. I've never seen her so contented. I've never seen her so, so just altogether fulfilled. I see all that in her face. Over her shoulders is a strap. And in the back, and she's only nine years old when this picture was taken. She's 11 now. She might have been eight. She's just a little thing. But on her back is one of those Sichella, two-year-old neglected children. And her face looks distressed. And her face is pleading for somebody to help me. She has a bruise on her forehead. And I look at that almost every time I open my laptop and I say, Lord, she's just one of thousands. She's just one of millions that have no opportunity and will end up unless you and I are servants of a most high God and are committed to the work of God, wherever we are, yes. God is not willing that any should perish. God is not willing that any should perish. We bear a responsibility as bondservants of the Lord Jesus Christ, do we not? Turn to Isaiah chapter 6. I love this scripture. Brother Denny used to preach on this scripture. Oh, it got me so wired up back in those days. I first stepped foot in the charity, uh, the charity church. So he used to preach on this scripture. And I can't preach on this scripture like he preached on this scripture. But boy, is this a good scripture. I tell you what, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord. Now, I don't know um, why he didn't see the Lord before King Uzziah died. But I have some thoughts about that. You know, many times we as people, we... Uh, we kind of uh, revere maybe um, a king or, or somebody else. We have, we have high regards for someone. And we, we are watching their every move. And, 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 not, and please, have high regards for your elders and your, 
your parents and all those kinds of things. Don't let me take that away. But in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw also the Lord, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. And there's Isaiah. He saw the Lord. And he has this experience in this temple. And the posts of the temple are shaking. And the smoke, the glory of the Lord is coming into the temple and just filling that place. And Isaiah is right there. And he is just like, woe is me. Woe is me. Woe is me. For I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongues from off the altar. And he laid it upon his mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. And we know that Isaiah became a, was a mighty prophet of the Lord. Isaiah was used of the Lord to, uh, to prophesy the birth of the Lord Jesus, we know. In Isaiah, I think, chapter 9, Isaiah, Isaiah um, 50, was it 53 or wherever? I'm not sure. But anyway, Isaiah, he, he, he was used of the Lord to teach the people of the suffering servant, of the death of Christ and all that. Isaiah was used mightily of the Lord. Isaiah was used of the Lord to warn the people of Israel. In the beginning of Isaiah there, chapter 1, 2, 3, he was used of the Lord to warn God's people. Isaiah opened up his heart and he said these three words, four words. Here am I, five words, here am I, send me. And believe me, dear young people, God is a sending God. Now he may want to send you right back into your own community, into your own home, and he may want to use you right there for a while. God, be praised. Don't think that's a lowly calling. But be used. And I'm serious. Be used. I mean, it's, it, it's a mission. It's, it's a work. It's a, you're a bondservant. It's, it's an opportunity at every step. You have siblings. You have, you have neighbors. You have widows down the road. You have, you have, you have your one anothering um, in the church body. It's just your opportunities are all over. Never get this idea there's nothing for me to do. I mean, it's just the opportunities are at your fingertips every step you take. So just know that God is a sending God. I think we'll pass over some of this here. Well, maybe not. Some time ago I uh, 
preached a message at home, a sermon that I had titled A Mandate for Christian Missions. <clears throat> and I had three points. Brethren, I do at times have points for my messages. I'm, I'm not always this disorderly and chaotic. I, uh, I, do, I do have outlines and things like that when, I'm, when I don't go to Washington. <laughs> I'm not sure why it happened this way. I, I, uh, but anyway. I preached this message, a mandate for Christian missions, and I had three points on this message, and it was the demand for Christian missions, the supply for Christian missions, and the reality that we have, everyone has to deal with. You know, if there's a demand, and there's a supply that we're looking for, but the reality is it's the demand isn't met, we have to acknowledge that. An article in the New York Times stated this concerning exporting of wheat out of Africa. Some 800 million bushels of Canadian wheat was shipped to foreign shores in one year. And the article in the New York Times was this, it wasn't easy. It only happened because everybody, the farmers, the grain elevator agents, the grain companies and cooperatives, the railways, the port terminals, and the shipping companies. Everybody involved worked long and hard to make this happen. We did it. 800 bushels of wheat exported out of Canada to other countries in one year. And these people all worked together. They all worked hard. And they all weren't afraid to put in longer hours to make it happen. And they did it. They completed their task. I wonder if we could have that sort of cooperation to export the gospel to other places. The demand is there. I mean, that's no question. The demand is there. There is a supply. But the reality is it's not meeting the, the demand. We all agreed on that. It's not meeting the demand. So let us, uh, let us carry the burden of the Lord and unite our hearts with the Lord Jesus as he prayed. Pray ye, therefore. He exhorts us to pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers. Years ago... I was maybe a Christian for a few years. Maybe it was even the thought, oh, hmm. It was right soon after we were married, honey. We were, re we were remodeling our, our little house, endeavoring to get it uh, into a place where we could live in it. I was looking for an electrician because I needed to, uh, I needed to, um, I needed some heat in a certain bathroom because of requirements from the, from the mortgage company, actually. Kind of funny, but that's the way it was. I found this man by the name of David Nisley. He was from uh, the local uh, Beachy, Beachy Mennonite congregation there. Of course, you know where we were. And he came over. And the interesting part about this, um, this man, David Nisley, that I'll never forget, and David Nisley isn't living anymore. He, uh, a number of years after that, he was working on a car that he had blocked up, and the block slipped and actually fell down on his head, and, and, and uh, he went to be with the Lord. But this David Nisley impacted my life. And as we were... As I invited him into my home to install this little heater in the bathroom, 
that man spent much more time sitting at my table talking about the things of the Lord than he did installing my little heater. One of his questions that I remember that he asked me was, is the church a haven for saints? Or is the church a hospital for sinners? I wonder how you would answer that question. Many of us would answer that question different probably, and I think that's okay. But he brought that question to me first. I've heard it many times since. I've asked other people, you know, what is it? The man with a pastor heart says this very loudly. The church, we know the church is a haven for saints. Don't you know? The church is a haven for saints. That's a pastor heart. Evangelistic heart in the church also is speaking very loudly. And he's saying this. The church is a hospital for sinners. Don't you know? Jesus was a friend of sinners. The church is a hospital for sinners, he says very loudly. Well, I wonder what you say. <laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> You're ahead of me a little bit. <laughs> okay, let us remember to have fervent love one toward another and practice those one another in scriptures. Remember the principle of humility, but I agree with my brother over here. We need to appreciate both. We really need to appreciate both. Regardless, and, I, you know, can the, can the pastor heart blend with the evangelistic heart? And can the evangelistic heart blend with the pastor heart? They need to. They need to blend. They need to move. They need to agree. But they, they don't have to give up their gifting and their emphasis in the Christian life. Remember that. Just remember that. They don't have to give up their gifting and their emphasis. But they can encourage. Well, I have that in, in my fellow pastor at home, Brother Marvin. He just... I told our congregation recently, you will never, God will never give you a pastor that prays for your children like your pastor prays for your children. That cares for you as an individual and for your own soul. Such a blessing. And I don't ever feel, I don't ever feel that he looks down upon an evangelistic heart. He just doesn't do that. He just doesn't do that. He doesn't allow himself to go there. Okay. Let's just read some scriptures concerning the scriptural mandate as far as evangelism before we go further here. If you want to follow along, turn to Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. Some call it the Great Omission. What do you call it? What do you call it by your life? Is it the Great Omission or is it the Great Commission? Jesus was talking to his disciples here. 
And he said these words in Matthew, Matthew 28, verse 18, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Let's turn next to Mark chapter 16. Verse 15. And Jesus said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. I'll ask my children sometimes, I have. And I, I don't want to talk negative about my children. I have very beautiful children. But I have asked them already, what part of no don't you understand? Sometimes we have to tell our children no. Part of no don't you understand? Well, what part of all does the Christian church not understand? Go you into all the world. What part of every, what part of every don't we understand? God help us. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Matthew chapter 10. Go back again a little bit. We have to move a little faster here. I got my five-minute card up there a little bit ago. Matthew chapter 10, verse 6 and 7. Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Why? I hear pages wrestling. I should wait. Okay, Matthew chapter 10, verse 6 and 7. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Go to Luke chapter 10. Starting in verse 2, the harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. The harvest truly is great, and the labors are few. Not sure why we're going back and forth here, but go back to Matthew again, chapter 9. Sorry, I'm in the wrong book here. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 to 38. 
But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Remember that this is the heart of Jesus. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. That brings me pretty close to the end of uh, the talk here for this afternoon. But uh, I... Uh, Just wanted to encourage everyone. Why don't we turn back to Exodus 21 again, the beginning scripture there. If thou buy an Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master have given him a wife, and she have borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him unto the door or unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. Remember this, young people, and take this home with you, that service to your Lord and Savior, your master, is not for a time, but it's the duration of your life. Be worthy of the vocation wherewith God has called you into.